trying to think of something different from Hello and Welcome to Masters of Divinity. You know? Mm-hmm. They get to trying to change it up. Okay. What's, uh... Hey, how's it going? You're listening to Masters of Divinity. You could say... You that one? Or you That's could chill, say, right? This is Masters of Divinity. This is Masters of Divinity. I don't know. Kind of like a Ginger Earl Jones. Like, Maybe. What would be pretty awesome <laughs> is if we could get... Uh, if we could get, like, Dolph Lundgren to just yell, like, I have the power. <laughs> Someday. Maybe we will. Uh, hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I, I went with it. Go for it. Sorry. Uh, I'm here with, with, with Father Chuck. Hey, I, uh, I lived. I did not die from the hurricane. He, he's okay. I'm okay. You're all right. I got slapped in the face by a leaf. Irma 1, Chuck 0. I know. I can, um, I can actually say that I have sustained like a bodily confrontation with something produced by a hurricane. Eat that Jim well, Cantori. Well, uh, Chuck, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're okay, man. And uh, in case anyone else is wondering, you haven't really been keeping up. Uh, Officer Matt is also doing fine. Um, he's not here, of course, because now he has a uh, very important job to do. Yeah, and <laughs> to, what did he tell us today? Is his eighth day in a row working? Yes, eighth day in a row. So Matt is Matt is very busy. Yeah, and, he's uh, he's saving lives. I mean, it's. I, I really can't wait to have him back on the podcast because I just want to like just let the episode be nothing but him talk about his experiences during because <laughs> you know that might be kind of I don't know some kind of fun to talk about like what our experiences were because mine were decidedly boring yeah you know other than um, other than updating the church and doing things throughout the storm and then you know having having tornado warnings go off at three in the morning and Kana and I looking at you be like what do we do like right. Do we wake our kids up and, and run, or do we just trust that our hurricane, that our shatterproof impact resistant windows will be fine in a tornado? And so we just let our kids sleep. So our kids slept through most of the hurricane. But Matt so was like in a police station. Yeah. Like during the storm and was like da- ready was to go. As in soon- downtown Lake Worth. I know. Man, I bet. It, I it's, hope he has that's stories. That's an evacuation zone in case uh, yeah, y'all out there don't know. Yeah, I hope he has stories. <laughs> well, he he kind of. He kind of clued me on on some of the things he has to do. Like, apparently, most of his job entails driving around and finding whatever uh, structure is damaged and reporting it to the city. <laughs> okay, I mean that's not as exciting as you would think, but it's like uh, power line power line down here. Let me just make a note of that. Yeah, and drive on to the next street. And uh, traffic light down. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Eight days in a row. Oh man. It was, it was, it, and if you're listening, you know, we, we had just done an episode not so long ago talking about Hurricane Harvey and how things were bad. And now we can talk about the state of Florida and how Hurricane Irma, I mean, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that the, it's crazy. Something my wife has pointed out to me that the cleanup that we're doing, practically everyone in the state of Florida is doing. Right. The entire state. Like, like, I hope people can, under, can appreciate this because like Texas it was part of Texas. It was a corner. Yeah. It was a section of Texas. It was not all of Texas. This is, other than like a sliver of Florida that butts up next to Alabama, it was all of Florida that has right, been, right. that is doing what we're doing. I mean, the West Coast of the state, which, by the way, they didn't think they were going to be impacted that much. Mm-hmm. 
And I had several friends and family evacuate to the west coast of the state to avoid the storm. And then it, it just came right at them, which, not going to lie, kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but they've got like another week of no power, according to all the estimates. Like east coast of Florida is supposed to get power uh, by Sunday. It'll be next Sunday that the west coast will have power. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I just got power two days ago. And yeah. it, I, I can tell you, JP, I'm, you've had these experiences, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. There is, there is nothing quite like that feeling of elation <laughs> when power comes on after, you know, after a couple of days of, because here's the thing, like Wilma, 2005, Wilma, when we all lived together, Hurricane Wilma came through. We talked about some recent episode. Hurricane Wilma came through. And one of the, one of the blessings that Wilma gave us was a massive low pressure system came in behind her. And so it was like in the sixties and seventies in Florida after that hurricane. So having no power was awesome because it was beautiful. It was comfortable. You had the windows open. Um, But this storm came at a different angle than Wilma and had a high pressure system accompanying it. And no joke, JP, yeah. Zero wind as soon as the storm passed. <laughs> Zero wind and like 80, 90 degree weather. So no wow. breeze even cool you off in your house. You just had to just sit and, and sweat. And that's what I did for several days. It's got to be eerie once a storm passes and there's no wind. There's like no no trace of it. Yeah, I mean, you it was like right goes. after the storm was actually kind of nice. It was like in the, it was like yeah. in the low to mid 70s mm-hmm. and a little bit of the, like the tail end breeze of the storm. But yeah, the sky went like crazy blue right and then hot devastatingly hot yeah yeah Yeah, i have a friend up in lakeland and uh she experienced the same thing yeah it's crazy and she got the worst that's where the eye the the eye went over went over them right up there oh i guess yeah i guess it did yeah so they got the the brunt of it naples and such and of course miami and well, Miami, Miami actually dodged it pretty well. I mean, there's some flooding that Miami deals with even on just like a normal day. I mean, high tide yeah. floods into some neighborhoods now because, you know, um, climate change is apparently not a hoax. Um, <laughs> the, um, but uh, the Keys got it the worst. Um, yeah. Key West, from what, I understand, from what I understand, is Key West is actually kind of okay, all right. things considered. But from like Marathon to to Key West, like the keys in between those, it's like bad. Apparently like 90% of houses there have had some form of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, really sad stories coming out of, coming out of there. Yeah. But, and then of course there's well, that tragedy in Fort Lauderdale. If you've seen that story in Hollywood, I haven't heard about it. No. Oh, of um, a number of people in nursing home died. They actually instantly opened a criminal oh. investigation about it because apparently they didn't have a generator in the nursing home and they didn't open the windows on the people. And it was, I, it's, I did hear about that. It's yeah. Infuriating. That's awful. Yeah. It's so terrible. Oh, but, well, our hearts go out to those people. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And of course, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about Florida and it, it's something that a lot of uh, my colleagues have been really quick to point out. We cannot forget the Virgin Islands in the Caribbean. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of Virgin Islands that haven't even been mentioned, like St. John's and a few others haven't even been mentioned in the news. And what was that, that island, uh, Bardu? Barbuda. Like, Barbuda, yeah. That's just, like, gone now. Gone. It's completely uninhabited. First time in 300 years. 
Wow. That no one is living there. That's terrible. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're okay, Chuck, and I'm of course glad that uh, your family and friends, and of course uh, Matt and his family. Yep. Everyone's all right. We're all doing well. I mean, it's it was it was an interesting ride. Yeah. So, so JP, tell the folks what light we, we we want to keep it light. Let's just say that it's been it's been heavy. It's been a heavy week. Fires in the West Coast, uh, hurricanes in the South, um, devastation, turmoil. Um, Donald Trump making deals with Democrats. Just chaos going on in the world. So, what lighthearted thing do you have for us to talk about tonight? J.J. Uh, Abrams is directing Star Wars again. Oh, there's that too. <laughs> Oh, whatever, Team Ryan. Um, I don't know if it's lighthearted. Um, well, okay, yeah, not lighthearted, because we're going to talk about the toxicity of the Internet. Yeah, we're talking, <laughs> as, we, as we usually do. We've, we've talked about toxicity of the Internet a lot, but uh, I don't think uh, you, could, you could do multiple episodes on, on that. Um, well, let me, can I, let, me, let, me, let me offer my own little bit here as a segue maybe jp if that's all right with you uh, all right let's we'll, we'll see let's we'll see where that goes um one of the things that happened as a result of the hurricane is i found myself um kind of back on facebook i noticed that and i know and i did that because a number of my friends um who were priests in in texas during um harvey um, facebook became like a really great tool for them to keep in touch with their parishioners and do a bunch of stuff with their parishioners and right. so we have a fairly new Facebook page for my church. And so I thought that it, uh, the Chapel of St. Andrew um, in Boca Raton, for those who are interested in, in liking and following all of that stuff, um, I realized I could utilize that as a way to keep in touch with people because we weren't able to have Sunday services and we weren't able to do a lot of that stuff. And I thought, you know, as part of my pastoral duty is to help be a voice of calm and prayer and things during all of that. So, and um, it, was just a, it was just a really convenient, easy way to keep up with all kinds of stuff that, were, that was going on. Um, but someone signed me up for this group that became fairly popular for, um, Floridians, like 95,000 people in this group, um, it's called like check in after hurricane Irma. Um, it was, Uh, it was meant just for people to check in after the storm. It quickly turned into a meme factory. (laughs) And yeah, um, it's very strange, but you would then also get these random moments where people would argue with one another, like, (laughs) Like one guy, the the where I where I started realizing how quickly how how quickly things can get toxic and turn south was I saw a guy post a thing. He's like, um, seeing lots of people posting stuff about prayer out here. I can't be the only atheist in this group that wants to say that some sky god is not going to make this storm go away. You need to you need to uh, support politicians who believe in science. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. Cool. I, I can do a lot with that, I guess. Uh, yeah. I'll put that in my back pocket. Yeah. And then there's little things like that over and over and like people yelling at each other about not respecting the power people the right way. And I don't know. It just, it, it, it's like all things, you know, it delves, it, it devolved into just unnecessary vitriol and whatnot. And then also it sounds, touch, sounds racist, like touch racist at times. Yeah. I, I bet it was. Sounds like Facebook, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw one guy who today, he was like, 
For all those people who got mad at me for saying that only black people are the ones looting, here's a photo of all the people who've been arrested. And it was like all these mugshots of like African-American males. And it's like, oh my gosh, wow, dude. So I reported him. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, but Facebook, so it, it, it's a great tool. I kind of be honest with you. It's a great tool full of tools. Um, it's buzzing. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool, and it was really it's been a great way for me to keep in touch with my prisoners. But it also has quickly now that the storm is over, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm not on this pro, on this platform very much anymore. Um, so, so, so I and I think that's what we want to talk about again is because you know there's some things that are personal to us that have come up recently that has shown how toxic the internet can be. Um, but we wanted to couch this in a kind of funny way before we get to the really serious stuff right that was sort of the idea it is the idea right yeah and it, it feels <laughs> um <clears throat> so basically we, we want to get into the issue concerning uh, uh devin farachi um and uh, this is a name you, you you've probably heard yeah chances are if you us. if you've listened to our podcast or you are the type of person who listens to our podcast you you might know who this person is Right. Devin Faraci is a film critic, an online film critic, I should yeah. make that distinction, uh, who's been around for a, a long time. He uh, he's derived for a website called Chud, uh, which was sort of like one of the first like movie fanboy websites after what's like Ain't, Ain't Cool News when that was around. Uh, he was discovered there. He wrote for them for a, a good long time and, until he met um, a an owner of a theater known as the Alamo Draft House in Austin. Uh, they became good friends, and uh, the Alamo Draft House started to expand because of its popularity, because of how much movie fans loved Alamo. And also their uh, yearly film festival, known as Fantastic Fest, which is coming up very shortly, and I still had not gone, um, sadly. Uh, Tim League... The owner of the Alamo and the owner of Fantastic Fest uh, ends up hiring Devin Faraci and gives him his own website called, uh, at first it was called Badass Digest. Uh, Until it kind of, they changed the name to Birth Movies Death, which is a website that we we both pretty much frequent. And and Matt does too. Yep. Uh, It's one of those movie, you know, movie fanboy type websites. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You get all your, you get all your, your superhero movie news. But also really good uh, articles on a lot of a big, uh, diverse group of movies they talk about. It's actually it's actually a really great website. And right. I a really lot of recommend. some lifestyle stuff, some culture stuff. I will say that I, you saw it a lot. I think you saw it a little bit more when Devin was still editor, where right. it would touch on like social issues and other things that are going on that sort of impact the storytelling that happens in movies and, and whatnot. Right. And Devin was the editor in chief. Uh, and uh, he brought in a really great staff of writers. Um, the thing you need to kind of also know about Devin is that um, he was a bit infamous as well. Uh, not many people liked Devin. Divisive figure um, that Devin Faraci. <laughs> very divisive, very controversial. He was extremely active on Twitter and uh, social media. So uh, he was, he's, his personality was always out there, always, constantly. So if he wasn't writing a piece for Birth Movies Death, he was always, you know, just kind of 
just pouring out all of his thoughts on Twitter. Really, a superhuman ability to write things. Yeah, he's extremely prolific. Yes, which I, I'm which which I'm starting to kind of realize how prolific he was now that he's gone. Um, he was very prolific, uh, really talented writer, really cool opinions that I really just I didn't always agree with him. I mean, I would say I disagree with him more than half the time, but even if I disagree with him, I still found his opinions to be like damn interesting. And uh, they made me think it's in, in other ways. Mm-hmm. It made me approach films in different ways. And <laughs> well, and I want to note, as a, too, as a religious person and as a clergy person, Devin was a fascinating figure because he grew up very Catholic. He's very Italian. Yeah. Um, grew up very Catholic. And for a long time was a pretty, a pretty overt atheistic kind of person i don't know if he would ever say he was a straight atheist but i think he definitely oh, yeah he he would he would okay <laughs> he would. yeah yeah so he would so he so he's an atheist but he had this he had this really great interest in the figure and character of who of jesus yeah he and, definitely had an interest in like religion yeah and he wrote some really astounding articles about jesus engaging in some of the some of the current writers and and, and, and and historical um people that are working with Jesus, historical Jesus work. I mean, he was a really well he was really strongly versed in stuff that I was reading in as a seminarian. Um right. and wrote He wrote some, that great article when he went to Jerusalem. Yeah, because he did that he went to that film festival in Jerusalem and he wrote this really yeah. great piece and he I mean Jerusalem clearly had this huge impact on him. And that for me was really interesting to watch this very atheistic, divisive person whose opinions and who's an incredibly intelligent person um, give these very um, articulate and even I say uh, erudite writings about religious thought and and about um, Jesus and, and all of that. Just it was a very fascinating thing to see it from his perspective. So I just wanted to note on, on that because right. you know as, as a way to say that to emphasize in case you figured out, folks. Yeah, we were Devin fanboys, pretty much. Yeah, um, I'm pretty diehard. I, I mean, and it's, and it's and I do, and it's part of my personality, and and it's because, and I, it's definitely something I, I've definitely inherited, uh, where I can kind of fall into like a cult of personality cycle, you know. And uh, I don't think it has anything to do with any kind of trauma or anything. I think it's it's just a habit. It's a habit of mine. I'll find someone that I that I find to be very intelligent and smart, and and who if someone expands my mind, I kind of like latch onto them, especially if they're like a writer or a filmmaker. Um, and if they're as prolific as Devin, then it's like, you know, I can't get away from it. Um, but having said that, I, we, you do kind of have to stress his personality. <laughs> right. Um, because he was the kind of person that, that, uh, and I've heard this is from like other critics how they'd kind of describe Devin Faraci, which is like if someone had told Devin, this person said this about you, and not necessarily like knocking you, but said that like you you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you shouldn't have said that, and this made them really upset, and blah blah blah. Devin is the kind of person that would laugh at that. He wasn't the, he wasn't like uh, he wasn't always very apologetic. He found great amusement in pissing people off even like the right people, you know? Yeah. Um, and he, he really, he started to kind of become 
once once he became more popular and the website became more popular, um, he definitely started to latch on to um, more socially sensitive issues. He started to become more outspoken as a feminist. Um, and when the Gamergate thing happened, he became like a very uh, a very prominent figure in the fight against Gamergate. I mean, I guess you call it a fight, but basically a Twitter war against Gamergate. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, he became a, he became a target, he became one of the targets of that, of that, uh, I don't know, a movement, whatever. You kind of mix that into his personality. He's just a very outspoken person who just pissed a lot of people off. Last year, uh, things got really shaken up, uh, because somebody on Twitter, and this is during, uh, the context is interesting, by the way, because this was during the time the um, tapes of Donald Trump bragging about sexually assaulting somebody right, right. Had, ha- had been released. When that happened, I don't know if you remember this, Chuck, but it really like emboldened a lot of people to kind of come forward, uh, especially yeah. women. Yeah. It emboldened a lot of women to come forward with their stories of, of uh, surviving sexual assault and rape and all of these horrible things they went through. And how that kind of tied in with Devin is that someone had stepped forward and said that Devin had assaulted them uh, a long while ago. And she called him out by name on Twitter. Yeah, it was very public. <laughs> right, very public. So public that I thought like there it was a joke. Right. Like, I thought that it was like a friend of his and they were just sort of like making fun of Donald Trump. Um, I don't know what that says about like, my privilege. <laughs> uh, but she definitely did that. Uh, when I realized it wasn't a joke is when he said that it was when he, um, didn't deny it. Right. Uh, he pretty much, he owned up to it in a way. Yeah. His exact words were, I can only believe, he says, I can only believe you that I would do something so vile. Right. And that he said he hoped that I, I hope that you can forgive. Yeah, me. I hope that you can forgive me. And that was like the last tweet on his account for like months. <laughs> for all, yeah, it's been. I mean, it's as far as I know, it's still there, and it's it, it's it is his last tweet. Um, and uh, so that started this really big. The internet. I, I mean, I, I've watched the internet quote implode. I don't think I've seen it implode like this in my life um, because he was such a dominant personality in the sphere of the film criticism world and film journalism and just filmmaking world. He was friends with a lot of powerful people. Uh, and, uh, and so if you were like a fan in that world, like you and me, Chuck, like you, you, well, it was like a bomb went off. Yeah. Um, because not long after, uh, he stepped down from Birth Movies Death, and uh, all the trades reported it. It was all it was on every outlet, a Variety, Hollywood Reporter, um, everywhere. This dude's career is over, completely over, done. And now, and now, leaving in his in the, in its wake, just a ton of angry, confused, sad, like what, like. It just that's what happens. That that what's that's what happens with the cult of personality. You know what I mean? I, I know I'm not just the only one. There are definitely a lot of Devin fanboys. There we were not the only ones. 
Chuck and I. Uh, and so uh, the reason why we're bringing this up now, at the time, he stepped down from Birth Movies Dead, the website, which is a subsidiary of Alamo Drafthouse, the company owned by Tim League, great movie theater chain. Um, and uh, Tim League actually spoke to uh, the woman that, that his, his uh, accuser. The person that accused him, they, 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 Tim Leake spoke to her and told her that he's been fired from, or he's been asked to resign from Draft House completely. And uh, I guess he had sort of made the illusion that they were kind of working together to figure out what, to, what, what steps they could do to kind of help Devin towards something like recovery. Because another thing you need to know about Devin is that he, uh, he, he did have a drinking problem. Right. And he did, and he was pretty involved with, uh, with with drug abuse, at least earlier in his life. I'm not so sure if he still did the hard drugs when when he stepped down, uh, but he definitely had a he, he definitely drank a he, he liked the drink, so that happened, and Devin pretty much disappears off the face of the earth uh, until I, I was following him. I had been following him on Instagram for quite a while. And then one day his Instagram sort of becomes active and, you know, he's just living his life and trying to recover. It was Rogue and One that brought him back to Instagram. That's that's right. That's right. Because he, yeah, he posted the Funko Pop that he bought of, uh, <laughs> what's his face, of Donnie Yen's character. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was an interesting thing to watch um, because he was definitely kind of going through the steps of recovery. Right. You, 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 yeah, I was really fascinated by it because it was watching someone go through recovery. Like you're saying, it, it's somebody who had sort of, a, you know, he's no longer drinking. Right. It was clear that he had started taking up meditation as a way mm-hmm. to help him deal with stuff. Um, he's a much, much more subdued person. He was not, you know, he's right. not, he wasn't like, baiting people for arguments and he wasn't being the brash person that he was. He was just kind of starting to put out some thoughts on movies and just be a dude for a little while. But, and, and the interesting thing about putting his thoughts out on movies, like, he, I mean, he's a writer, writer's going to write. Right. Uh, the interesting thing, he only really seemed to really only write about the things that he enjoyed. He kind of, he kind of stayed away from like the things that he, the movies he didn't like, he didn't talk much about them. Um, but yeah, and you know, I think I, I'm pretty sure he was doing AA and, you know, part of the steps of AA is that you can you, I don't know if it's part of the steps, but one of the guidelines of AA is that you have to acknowledge, um, the authority of a higher power. It's one of the steps. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's what led him to, uh, getting into Buddhism. Right. And then he became a Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was really interesting <laughs> because Devin, you know what? I take it back, Chuck. Uh, he was not an atheist. He was a Satanist. Okay. I remember that now because I, I do remember <laughs> he was very much into that. But at the same time, he was also against it because like he didn't, because he saw like it was more like a fashion world thing. Like it was more of like a fashion thing to be a Satanist. But well, I think he was, I, I think he thought it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Or just kind of a rebellious thing. Yeah. I, don't, I do remember the guidelines of Badass Digest were this, <laughs> the the same guidelines like the Satanic Bible or something. Yeah, they were Anton LaVey's, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
yeah, Devin the Buddhist was an interesting thing to watch and read. Um, and uh, it was just kind of left at that, you know? And the reason we're bringing it up now is because he's been brought up again. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, a random person on Facebook, not not a writer or a personality or something, just some, just some dude on Facebook, uh, was reading the Fantastic Fest uh, program. The Fantastic Fest is the film festival in Austin run by Tim Leak, who owns Birth and Death, who owns Draft House, friends with Devin. He's reading the Fantastic Fest uh, program, and he noticed that, um, you know, a program for a film festival is just sort of like a list of all the movies and like what they're about. And sometimes a writer will kind of give their opinion on, you know, what's so great about them and why you should see them. And um, he noticed that in one in one article he was reading in, in the program for one movie uh, that it was it had a byline, uh, Devin Faraci. And uh, this person was like, is, is Devin back? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, that really blew up because uh, a couple outlets, uh, Pajiba and Jezebel and Hollywood Reporter got wind of it and sort of looked into it. And it sort of just kind of spread like wildfire that Devin Faraci is back. You know, he really wasn't. He's not he's not back. Uh and it turned and Tim League tried to um, he kind of tried to quell the flames that were starting to rise uh, by releasing a statement on Facebook saying that okay yeah like we we've hired Devin on um, because. Well, maybe you can kind of take over here. I'm trying to do a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, it's all because he was he 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 brought him on uh, in his statement was that I brought him as a copy editor. Right. That's it. Like and um and he said you know the guy's got to pay rent, and he said you know and I and he says in my mind everyone deserves a second chance, and that mm-hmm. he has demonstrated that he is in the process of recovery and dealing with and dealing with his demons. Right. And then that blew up yeah and now people and and then that listener brings us to why we're talking about this whole long story (laughs) leads to this moment right here which is um which is that um there there is an article even on birth movies death today um the comments are closed on it by now i think um that is um the state of birth movies death. They've done a couple of times since this sort of stuff has popped up and about Devin Faraci and, and, and basically it's like a whole thread of people just hating on the guy. It's just, it's, it's very vitriolic and it, and it, and I will say personally, it like, it hurts me because one of the things that I can't stand is seeing people like you don't kick someone when they're down. And you especially don't punish people for trying to better themselves. And so right. someone who is trying his level best to be a better person, to acknowledge his demons. Oh, and by the way, the thing that led to all of this happened in 2003. Now, that's not to excuse the stuff that he did. It's vile um, in his own words. Um, he, he, is, he, he was a bad person. Um, but for me... As I look at it, and I think a lot of it has to be the fact that I'm a, a Christian minister, and this is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast about grace and all of that, is that here is an individual 
like I said already, who's, who's trying to better himself. And, 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 and there are people who they don't want to see that. I, 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 as I said to you earlier, JP, I said, I think there are people on, on that site that will only be satisfied as if the guy kills himself based off the way they're talking. I mean, you know, the question of does he, should he be working for Alamo? Should he be working for all that? I guess that's a whole other conversation and that's maybe partly valid, but I, I have think, opinions on that. Yeah. But like, I, I've read some stuff. So yeah, I just, it just, for me, it exposed the, just the, 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 the very toxic nature of, one social media, but also makes me really afraid for the world that we live in. Because if I were, I mean, come on, Jake, let's be honest. In the early 2000s, when you and I started living on our own, we we, we liked our alcohol. And (laughs) we did some really stupid stuff. You and I are not people who have a problem with, like, we don't have substance abuse problems. Does Taco Bell count? (laughs) Well, maybe um, <laughs> talking about toxicity, but no, I, 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 so I think back like, and so again, this is, I, I know someone will hear this and think that I'm excusing behavior and I'm not excusing behavior, but I'm trying to put behavior in a context. You have somebody who has a substance addiction problem. They, because of that sex, that because of that substance abuse, that addiction problem, they do behaviors that are awful. That's just something that happens with people who have, who, who have substance abuse problems. They do bad things. Right. Um, and at some point, the whole idea of recovery is that you stop, is that you stop the substances, you stop the bad behaviors and you make an amendment of life, which is an AA step, right? Amendment of life is an important part of that. Um, and that you begin the process of moving on and being a different person and being a better person and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, I, I think just for us, like the, the, the terrifying thought of, is there some stupid thing that I did when I was drunk in the early 2000s that someone could pull up and now my entire career is ruined? My entire life is ruined because someone's going to dangle it in front of me every 10 minutes. And no matter what I do to better myself, whatever I do to demonstrate remorse and amendment of life, it's just always going to be like someone hitting you with it. And that's something that scares me about the one, the internet, because that's what it allows us to do. But as I've also said, this will probably get us in trouble, but it's, it's, I'm honestly kind of more scared of the new left people because they're the ones who are saying this stuff based out of their own idea of trying to be in their own kind of like ultra liberal orthodoxy. They have the right thoughts. And so therefore Devin was bad because he didn't do the right things. And like, I mean, I'm not really formulating fully full thoughts here. So like I said, I probably shouldn't talk too, too much because I don't want to get us into too, too much trouble, but like, I'm legit afraid that if you do something that the progressive mindset sees as problematic, they are never going to let you forget about that. And they're not going to let anyone forget about that because there's no grace with these people. I think it's a valid fear. I think it's something that, you know, witch hunts are real on the internet. Um, We've seen them destroy lives, people who are totally innocent and people who, I don't say they deserved it, but they probably didn't deserve the level of it. The girl who accused Devin, I visited her, her, her timeline recently on Twitter. 
uh, just to see how she was reacting. And she's pissed. Um, and it's for a variety of things. Uh, first of all, uh, it's that Tim Leake had, had lied to her because he had told her that Devin was completely gone from Draft House. Well, he was. And then Tim offered him a second chance. Well, what had happened was he he had moved him to Draft House instead of Birth Movies Death to continue copywriting for Fantastic Fest. Okay. Um, so he didn't stop working for Draft House. He stopped working for this, the subsidiary. And, um, and I also really empathize with... It's funny because I don't really empathize with Devin. I, I empathize with, like, everyone that it's affecting. Um, like, especially Tim League, because I really feel like Tim League was, like, trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I really feel like he, he thought that he was doing... He, he wanted to help Devin become a better person. He saw something that was awful, and he wanted to help him become a better person. And he wanted, he wanted her involved to a certain extent. Yeah, like... And like as I like, I'll bring myself into this because that's what I do. But like, as a pastor, like that's kind of part of my job. Yeah, is to give people second chances. And it's like, if I do that to people, am I now going to be subject to a mob on the internet right. because like I'm somehow abetting in some kind of bad behavior that happened in the past that doesn't apply anymore? I mean, that's right. the stuff that I'm. And I feel like maybe that's what Tim thought he was doing is trying to protect him from a mob, probably trying to protect him for, for the the toxic people that were just kind of like waiting for this to happen. Because make no mistake, there were people who were waiting for something like this to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those people like in Gamergate and 4chan and 8chan, these like really toxic MRA types, these, these you know, white nationalists, alt-right who are waiting. For someone on the left, someone left-leaning, to screw up just right. so they can be like, see, 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 you know? And you, you definitely want to be protected from those people. They, those people shouldn't have a voice in this whole conversation um, because that, that their end game is to not help find redemption or, or to right or wrong. It's to use the other person, like this girl, using her to, to I don't know, to do their own bullcrap to him. Well, but— so, but, but, but I'm trying to get there um, before I lose my thought, because I think it's something that is, is important to stress. And I, I would, I'm actually interested in your thoughts on it, Chuck. Um, that's what she brought up on her timeline. She talked about how redemption is important and it's vital and she believes in it and she wants that to happen. But it needs to be a community thing. It's not just Tim League doing it. And also, there is, like, a really, 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 really fine line between, like, recovery um, enabling. And what she saw was more enabling than the act of redemption. How is is it enabling? What is it enabling? Letting him continue to work with with the company. You know, in recovery, you know, tough love is a pretty important part. You have a case to make when the person's not actually like in recovery, like doing the work of recovery. But if the person has is 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 in the process of recovery, then that should be a moot point. It doesn't matter. You're not enabling. If he was still drinking and doing things, then yeah, you're enabling. But I mean, I, I, the thing is, is 
ultimately, this is an issue that's between this woman and this man. And right. this whole internet has been drug into it, and we think it's part of our life. And yeah. to the fact that we, we're now doing an old, like a probably friggin' hour and a half podcast talking about it. <laughs> and <laughs> the thought that I get is, is that, and I, and I, is that people seem to think that Devin Faraci owes them an apology. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's something one of uh, the writers of, B, of birth movies has said, Britt, Britt Hayes, she has some really great thoughts on the whole thing that I really like. And that uh, he doesn't owe us an apology. Like he doesn't owe his readers an apology. Like, and and uh, I mean Tim might, <laughs> but but not not Devin. I kind of I'm kind of thinking of that Amy Schumer skit about the court of popular opinion. At what point is an apology enough? Like at what point? Like counterpoint to this is Chris Pratt. Okay. Yeah. Like a few like several months ago, Chris Pratt said something kind of like what borderline sexist or something on the internet, and. Really? Yeah, he said something, and people made a deal out of it, and then he immediately said, hey, that was stupid. I, I said a stupid thing. Like, and people were, like, applauding and like, oh, yeah, that's how you apologize. That's how you do it. Like, well, no, that's because you like Chris Pratt. If it was Mel Gibson, you would have a whole different story. Yeah. And, and so it's – one, it's the hypocrisy. It's the it's – the, um, it's, it's the, the, the false – or the, the, the lack of equivalence um, that I see, but like, but again, it's ultimately it, 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 what really, what this is all about, it boils down to what happened between this man and this woman and whether or not she can accept his apology to her. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. We have no horse in that race as, as people who have, who have been, reading his work and following him on social media and all of that. It, it, it has, you know, I know people feel like, oh, there's like a loss of, there's a, like, oh, I lost my trust in him or I lost this or I lost whatever. Okay. This goes right back to the problem that you kind of alluded to in the very beginning of this episode, JP, and that's the problem of the cult of personality. Yeah. We have to remember, people are awesome. People are also monsters. We're capable of everything. And so we shouldn't, we should never put people onto some kind of pedestal that if they screw up, we're like, my world is wrecked because of their actions. <laughs> that's messed yeah. up. Like, and, that, and that's a whole other conversation we can have. Actually, a cult of personality episode would be pretty good. Um, yeah. But the, the thing for me is, is I, so for me as I'm responding to this, is less about Devin and more about the way I'm seeing people react to this situation, because to me, it's indicative of, of things we see all across our society. It's mm-hmm. not just him. I know we're using this as an example because it's very pertinent to us and to, you know, a group, a group of people who listen to our podcast and are kind of in our world. Um, but I look at it as this is indicative. This is one small indicator of something that we see happening all across the board is this sort of mob mentality social media thing where basically if 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 i'm if if i as an individual i'm not satisfied with your behavior i'm going to bully you into oblivion and it's terrifying it's terrifying um does devin farachi deserve to work for for um alamo draft house i think that's between him and tim league well, it is, but it's also like I think because of what happened, because he's a controversial figure, 
it, it is up to Tim League ultimately because he's the CEO of the company. But also, I think Tim League needs to also kind of like consider how the rest of the staff feels. One of the programmers for Fantastic Fest uh, resigned over the fact that he was working on the program. And I mean, I don't. <laughs> Don't necessarily blame him because not everyone feels the same way about Demofrachi and programmers work from festival to festival. And you know, his name next to Demofrachi's name on a festival like does that would have would have Trevor Groth or Sundance hates Demofrachi and sees his programmer and you know doesn't allow him on board. Yeah, but then again, I mean that's that's uh, I, uh, that's all. <laughs> it's all to me again indicative of a world that does not understand grace or nuance or anything. It's that we 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 live with this false expectation of perfection from everyone that everyone does everything perfectly. And that, and I'm, I'm just, I'm so concerned, JP, I'm so concerned with the loss of humanity in the way we live, that we objectify everything. Like, like what you're saying right there, it's like, Oh, a guy quits because, Oh, well, Dr. Devin Frachi is a divisive character. People have a problem with, and I want my name next to Devin Frachi's name. Like, and that, that may affect me getting a job at another film festival. Like, I mean, am I asking people to, you know, whose livelihood to pay the cost. I don't know. I'm not necessarily, but it's just, it, I'm just pointing out the problems. Yeah. Um, and, and expressing my dismay over it, but also as a way, I kind of want to say that to me, this is why as a Christian, I'm such a big believer in the Christian message because I think it offers a better vision for the world because I think grace is so radical and it's and necessary because, you know, when I read this story, I think of, I think of the Jesus of the incident in, G, in the gospel of John with Jesus, where these Pharisees drag this woman out. They said, we've caught her in adultery. You know, the losses were supposed to kill her. What do you say? And Jesus says, well, you know, those of you who've, those of you without any sin, you should be the one that cast the first stone. There, and that's the thing is, is like every single one of these people who are who are celebrating or who are lamenting or are calling out Devin and his actions, all that, they've got skeletons in their closet, too, that if people found out about, they would feel completely dismayed. And someone somewhere would think that that would be enough to remove them from their life. You've yeah. got it. I've got it. Every one of us have it. And so this attitude that somehow we're above these behaviors is completely completely misguided and 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 just unbelievably hypocritical to me and i and i guess i guess the thing for me is i mentioned this in the previous episode is i mean i come at this as someone who has a family member who was sexually abused by a pastor over a period of eight years so i've got you know not necessarily firsthand experience but like very adjacent to it experience and one of the things that that i remember one of my pastors, not the guy who did the bad stuff, but one of the other pastors on staff I was very close to, he said that um, the lesson that he that for him was to never say that he's above anything, to never say, "Oh, I would never do so such and such thing," um, because he says as soon as you say that, you're setting yourself up for failure. You have to acknowledge that you're capable of anything. As a human being, you're capable of anything. And that's the, the, the lack of humility that I see from these people in, in these statements and these actions is like, you know, we've all got something, right? We've all got something. Yeah. I, uh, there's this great article 
uh, on the on Medium by this uh, this girl who's a horror writer. Her name is BJ, and um, she uh, she's she's written for Birth Movies Death, so she's had sort of a relationship with with Devin Faraci and, and uh, that community. And she wrote this really 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 personal story uh, that she's sharing that way. The, the name of the article is trying to make sense of cinema, sexual assault allegations from a rape survivor and film journalist. When she was 15, basically the story is when she was 15 years old, she was raped by her boyfriend and then uh, it affected her for the rest of her life. And then one day, and I'm kind of yada, 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 the story, I'm sorry, uh, but we don't have much time. We want to move on. Um, one day she was getting on train to Chicago and she ran into him and she didn't run away. She didn't, you know, go up to him and slap him. All she did was she, she said that she, she walked right up to him and just stared at him in the face and was just, and just said, how have you been? And at that moment, the guy like broke down in tears in front of her, like at her feet. And she was not expecting that she says, and uh, she said that she let him talk. They sat on a bench and she just listened. And she said that, like, it isn't something I'm, I'm telling other people should do or they have to do it. It was just something I wanted to do because for the first time in my life, I felt like I had control over this whole situation. Um, so she decided to just listen and let him talk. And, you know, he divulged this whole story about how he had gotten married and apparently the woman he married was a rape survivor as well. And he had seen the effects of that, how it affected their relationship, and it just made him much more empathetic to what he had done. Because she, she says in the article, you don't realize you're a monster until you're, like, taken out of the situation and you see the exact same thing you've done to somebody right. else, especially to somebody you care about. Right. And he kind of ends – she kind of ends the article, I'm not trying to tell you how to think. I'm just offering an, an alternative, which mm -hmm. is forgiveness which is forgiveness. And, and she said, that's what she felt she had to do for him. I mean, as a, as a Christian, I have to, I would say you have to do that. <laughs> we have to well, do that. We have to as people. I think her point is that she's, she's trying to say, I understand why someone who survives sexual assault wants to burn the person alive, you know? And oh, no, I can't I... say, but it's like, you know, I'm, she said, I'm just offering an alternative. To well, that. it gives, it, it makes me think of, um, so there's a, a great man, um, um, great saint of the church. His name is Mark Dyer. He's um, now gone to be, gone on to his final reward. Um, he was a bishop, an Episcopal bishop in um, Pennsylvania and became a very good friend of mine. And um, I lived with him and his wife um, for a summer when I was working as a hospital chaplain. And Mark had a million stories and a million ideas. He used to be a Benedictine monk, crazy long. I, I could go on all these details about this guy. But um, we'd sit at dinner, and he would tell these stories. We'd talk about different things. And one of the things he talked about, I'll never forget, he was, he's, he's Bostonian, um, a Boston Irishman, um, as he said, a blue-eyed Irishman from Boston. And so he had this very brash kind of Bostonian accent. And um, he would, he was talking, to, we were talking about the book of Psalms. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I hear these people, and I see them all the time. How they, you know, they want to, they want to, they want to avoid the the psalms that are difficult. He says, particularly that one psalm where it talks about dashing babies, be, um, baby, babies' heads against stones. It's like this really gruesome, violent psalm that people don't like when it shows up in the daily office. And he says, in my mind is the stupidest thing to try to take that out of there. 
to try to take that that passage of the Bible and ignore that's stupid to ignore it. He's like because it's my he said something to the effect of it's basically it's 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 maybe one of the most emotionally honest passages in all of the Bible because David King David the man after God's own heart he felt that kind of rage and anger at the enemies of of the Jews when he composed that psalm but the psalm ends on a note of forgiveness and so and so that's the, the story makes me think of that, JP, that then what you're saying is, you know, you can understand why. And we need to be honest about that, like understand why we want to, you know, do bad things to bad people and see bad things happen to bad people. But on the other hand, forgiveness is releasing that because it allows you to release them and their control over you. And grace acknowledges the fact that we're all that we're all messed up and that we would appreciate forgiveness when we screw up. So we should offer it to others as well. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting we're talking about this right now because I'm in the process of preparing for my, my sermon on Sunday and the reading um, appointed for us, one of the readings appointed for us is the crossing of the Red Sea. And I learned that there is a Jewish custom during the Passover Seder um, where some of the Jews, some Jewish communities will pour out some of their wine before they drink it um, as an acknowledgement of the loss of the Egyptians in the Red Sea. And they say that we can't have a full cup of joy because our deliverance came at the suffering of others. And that's an amazing acknowledgement um, of, of seeing the fact that, and, and why I'm bringing that up is because, you know, we have to see each other for what we are and not, you know, and not what we think we ought to be or what we should be or whatever. We have to see each other for what we are. And like I've been saying over and over on this is that we are capable of amazing things. We are capable of monstrous things. It's all, it, both thing. all of that is in us. All of it. The complexity of what we are is in there. Um, Hitler was human too, you know? Um, and we, I just think we have to, we have to, recognize that and when we recognize that we're willing to look at other people and say you know i'm glad you're trying to better yourself and not turn into this dichotomy of 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 picking sides or whatever right and celebrating the fact that you know like you know let's celebrate the fact that there's somebody who acknowledges their who acknowledged their wrongs and made their life better because how many people don't do that you know yeah. I mean, we've, for crying out loud, we have a president, we have a sitting president of the United States right now who said he has never felt remorse or the need to repent of anything that he's done. Right. My gosh, we need to see every evidence of people who are making their lives better and celebrate that because it, it, it shows that we can get better and be better. Right. Anyway, I'm well, preaching. No, it's okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a troll on this podcast because just about everything I do is just to get just to elicit a reaction from you <laughs> <laughs> or Matt, if he's here or Matt. Um, but uh, having said that, you know, you had a great idea, Chuck, to sort of to cap this off. You know, we knew we were going to go to some heavy places and some some difficult. Yes. Places. At, and um, we were definitely not going to have any definitive answers. I don't. At least I don't. <laughs> Um, 
all I could say is that I, I, I do hope uh, Devin Frodger does become a better person, and uh, I, I hope that uh, everyone he's affected, anyone he, that he's affected who's been affected by this situation, uh, finds peace. And uh, yeah, I, I hope they they become satisfied. Amen. Um, having said that. What was your idea, Chuck? You, you put a, you put, you could put it better than I than I can. Well, the idea was since we were talking about internet toxicity, and I was thinking, you know, at some levity at some point in this, um, yeah. I came across today. We're recording on Thursday evening, um, September fourteenth. So today there was a cracked dot com article. I read cracked pretty much every single day, um, and they had an article that is entitled. Five simple questions that make the internet destroy itself. I just want to point out, though, the URL is different. It says five really simple arguments that'll tear your friends apart. Oh, bro, bro, you've got to you got to get in the crack culture, man. Crack, <laughs> one of the things that cracked, like if you read the comments on cracked, is yeah. everyone comments on the fact that they change the titles multiple times throughout the day. That's really funny. Yeah, um, it's it's part of their thing. I think to keep it fresh in front of you. Um, all right, so are we going to have some disagreements here? Is that what's going to happen? Well, no, it's, gonna... it's, they pointed out five things yeah. um, that people debate, and they're, they're super trivial. But the fighting gets crazy toxic <laughs> over these completely trivial things. Yeah, that's internet, yeah. Yeah, so... So, so do, you want to, do you want to see where it goes with us? Is that what we're trying to yeah, do? I mean, we've, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. So number five, I'll, I'll start us off. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Number five, uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? Chuck, your thoughts. Oh, I got to say, my first thought to this is this is new to me. Yeah. I, it's only been a couple of months that I've seen people make like a big deal on the internet about pizza, about pineapple on pizza. I, in my mind, I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon when we were kids, and they were always commenting about anchovies, that anchovies right. don't belong on pizza. Anchovies are gross. I remember, like, my friends and I would talk about that, like, anchovies. What are anchovies? I'd never had an anchovy. By the way, I ate an, ate an anchovy last night, canned anchovies. Very salty. Um, yeah. um, I've had, but I've had anchovies on a pizza. Got to be honest. Not bad. Um, but that was, like, the thing, you know? And, it's, and, that, and, and so I'd never heard anyone say anything negative about pineapple until, like, last month or whatever. But apparently this is a huge, huge source of disagreement and debate and fighting on the Internet. There are people who think that you are, like, like, like it's like Calvinism. Like you are, <laughs> you are like you are predestined for damnation if you like pineapple on your pizza. And I gotta say, bro, I love pineapple on my pizza. I used to order okay. a pineapple and sausage pizza from Hungry Howie's. Yeah, Ooh, that actually sounds really good right now. A spicy crust. Sounds... You better believe it. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, my thoughts on the subject. I had my first Hawaiian pizza. Uh, when I, I must have been 13 years old, and uh, I think it actually might have been the first time I ever had pineapple. So of course, JP's introduction to pineapple is, is on pizza, um, and uh, it kind of changed my life a little. Like I felt like I could do anything after that. <laughs> it's kind of like rolling a. It's kind of like riding on a roller coaster for the first time. It's like I survived that and I liked it. I would do it again. Yeah, it's it, it opens your mind to a whole new concept. You're like. But fruit on pizza? What? I will say, Chuck. I will say. I have. I have to. I do have to. I do have to to roll back a little bit. As much as I enjoy it. Uh, first of all, 
you can't have too much pineapple on pizza. I've 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 experienced. Okay, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Sometimes the pineapple is the pi- pineapple is heavy, and sometimes it, it can it can make the the pizza fall apart. Yes. Uh, and also, you know, pineapple is like it's basically just sugar. Like most fruits, just sugar. Yeah. So like you're, you're you know just sugar. And tomato sauce. As someone who's trying to become a connoisseur of food lately, watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay, uh, <laughs> a pineapple, a, a Hawaiian pizza is basically just bread with sugar and salt. <laughs> like it's a pile of sugar and a pile of salt on top of bread. Well, and there's also that thing you get where if the pineapple is a little too fresh, it yeah. like, there's a crunch to it that just doesn't really work with the texture of like 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 I'm I don't like crispy pizza. I like my pizza kind of like floppy and falling apart. Like, right. You know, I want to fold it in half really well. And, you know, I've had like good New York, you know, New York style pizza where yeah. I had pineapple on it. And like, yeah, you got that thing where it just kind of flops open and the pineapple and ham and everything just spills out. Right. And I will say as much as I enjoy it, I also enjoy, you know, putting a McChicken between my McDoubles and eating that. I don't think those two things belong together on the same sandwich. Um, so to answer this question, I don't think pineapple belongs on pizza. But Even though I enjoy it. Right. Okay. That works. I'll take that answer. It doesn't belong, but it works. You know, it's kind of like something that I've learned that I really like, and that is um, vanilla ice cream yeah. with sea salt Ooh. and olive oil. Oh, that sounds really good. It is actually really good. That, that I actually learned that on like, Cracked. I learned that on is Cracked. That, really? Is that a gelato? Is that what a gelato is? No, gelato is like a – gelato is like a – I've never had a gelato. Very, you never had gelato? No, Never. It's it's hard to describe. It's like ice cream, but it's not. It's like yogurt. It's 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 got a thick. Yeah, you've got to try mm. gelato. There's a good gelato place here. I should take you to next time you're in Florida. Yeah. Uh, this next one's controversial because I have a hardline stance on it. Okay. You want to say it? All mm. right. Is it pronounced? Is well? Is I'll, I'll I'll tweak the the question for our listeners. Is is it is the G I F is it GIF or JIF? Now, for those who don't know what we're talking about, um, this is those little images you see that people put on comments and articles now. Um, it was yeah. the pinnacle of technology in the 90s. It went away, and now suddenly it's come <laughs> back to make things really funny on the Internet. I love them. I'm addicted. I, could, I can honestly say that I am addicted to GIFs. Oh, so you're a, you're, a, you're a GIF. You're a hardliner on GIFing. Oh, it's, it is. I mean, it's a, the G stands for graphic. See, right. I, I, I mean, I, I don't care that much, but I'm, I, I, I'm a GIF person. Why? The designer himself called it a GIF. Yeah, the designer doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, you, I know you're gonna like pull <laughs> death of the author. <laughs> death of the author on the on acronym the for graphical interface. What is it? Graphical. I don't really know what it is. I'm uh, graphic, graphical interface. F- 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 I don't, uh, graphic I interface don't know. file, something like that. Anyway. Um, he calls it a GIF, and it, it just sounds like a GIF. It looks like GIF. I don't know. I'm not Wait, a huge what, fan of the hard G, like the G. I just, I'm not a fan. Other than it God, just make, it, it just, it just makes sense. I will. Here's, I will make a fair point for you in all this is that the letter J exists in our language to make the J sound, and yeah. the G I'm, is the G sound. Right. From a linguistic standpoint, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That. <laughs> That yeah, the g is it, it should be if it's a g it should be g, but English is a weird language and that's that's really the reason why. But 
I don't. Yeah. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta side with the developer. He said, "Jif." It's. It just. It's. It sounds nicer. Death of the author. That's what I said. <laughs> all right. All right. You got the next one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is holding the door sexist? My gosh. All right. You. 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 You start with this one. Um. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I, I hold the door for everybody. I think this is much ado about nothing. Yeah. I. I hold the door for everybody. If I see yeah. people coming, I hold the door. It's just a nice thing to do because having like, uh, you know, having a door kind of like that, that feeling of like it's partly open and you're trying to catch it. That's just it's just written like, I don't know, you and me both were raised in the South. So yeah. it's just you're courteous to people. I'm not but, like, I'm not I'm not a milady. I'm not like, oh, milady. And then I leave the door like hanging for some dude like. I hold the door open for the dude too. And it's not, and I don't hold the door because I think, Oh, I don't want the fair woman to have to exert herself or like mm-hmm. chip a nail or any of that kind of nonsense. It's just, it's a nice thing to do. Well, holding the door as a, is a, as a chivalrous act. Is that sexist? Is, oh, yeah, is that totally. idea sexist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Because you're only doing it because you think that by it's, it's a classic nice guy behavior that let's be honest, you and I both bought into for a while. Mm-hmm. And it, and also, you know, we, we that whole idea of like doing actions so that you'll be rewarded by the woman for your actions. Uh, but, but but can I just say though, like, you know, Catherine Kindle told me that she gives guys points when when dudes open doors for, for women, and you know, you tell that to a young twenty two year old JP. Uh, what am I gonna do? Like, of course. Yeah, I'm going to hold the door for you now. Give me, I've, I've been promised points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, I, I guess it's all of the intention. I will say that Catherine Kendall never had to open a door for those two years I was at P, those last two years at PBA. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's all in your intention. And I, I, I think my bigger problem with is with the people who immediately assume that just because you're holding a door – it's like an, an insult to their gender expression. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. So can you find ways to kind of get pissed at both sides with this argument? Like, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm sure you can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we kind of are. I, both just... sides, both sides are at fault right now. <laughs> many sides. There are assume, many sides. Some I assume are good people. <laughs> um, that gentleman who all the door, I'm assuming is a good person. Yeah. I, I, person. I just think, like, there are way, way bigger issues in the world. If someone's to hold the door for you, just smile and let them. But, like, if somebody doesn't say thank you, don't also get offended by it. Come on. Yeah, I, I, I never – I was never offended by that. It's just, you know, you, you do it because it's nice. Yeah. And the thing is, I do it with – like, and I use it as an opportunity just to be friendly and say hi and smile at somebody. You know? Yeah. That's it, and it's almost—it's almost like it's almost like a—it's it, a competitor sport here in Oklahoma. I've noticed. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. No, I can see Oklahoma <laughs> being very like very like polite place. Yeah, it's almost like okay, do I do? It's almost like you you step aside to let them open the door. Almost has the same uh, is almost almost the same level of manners as holding the door for somebody. Right, like letting him open the door. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It just escalates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was walking out of a Seven Eleven, and some some gentleman was like, "Oh, let me help you out there, buddy," and like just opened the door. I was like, "Wow, that's the, that's like the greatest door holder I've ever met in my life." Yeah, but, it's, yeah. It's it's also it kind of makes me think of like like you're getting to that place where you sometimes you get to a four way stop, 
and you and the other car uh, like get there kind of at the same time. And yeah. and so like which you know, you, now you try to out polite one another. And you just get stubborn, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm putting, I'm going to park. <laughs> Put it in park. So then, does it come to a point where it can cycle back around, where going first, or this not guy's being the... so rude right now by letting me go first, or like the, yeah, cycle around like where I just go through the door and not hold it for you? That's actually the most polite thing because yeah, it's it's manerception. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. So. Uh... This one's weird. You see, go ahead. Yeah, I never heard of this one. Um, I yeah. have, I have a, uh, I have a supplement to, that we could talk about that's somewhat related to this. But should a shirt be buttoned top to bottom or bottom to top? I had never heard about this until I saw this article. I don't even know what I do. I don't. <laughs> I can't even really recount. I, I button from the I, bottom up. Yeah. Right. Is there a reason? No, I do from top. Bo- I know. I take it. Actually, now I don't know what I do. I was for sure I was a top, I was a bottom to top person. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a bottom. You know, I am because. Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of lose the visual, the lower you go, and so I guess I guess the the idea is once you start at the bottom, you know, there's not going to be any missed ones, right? Right, right. That's the idea. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess people who go from top down want to look more dangerously, but. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I just leave my shirt open. <laughs> I could see top because, like, you, you gotta like know when to stop, right? You don't because some people don't all go all the way up. It's like, nah. Yeah, yeah. midway down the torso is good enough. Well, I mean, I, I've been known to keep, you know, I keep a couple <laughs> open. I keep, a, of course. Um, no, <laughs> my wife and I debate. Here's the one: the top. Like, I, we get into a whole range of these things. Like the top button. Do you button it without a tie? Come on, no. They've been trying to make oh, that a thing every now and then, where people would like button their shirts all the way up. It, it just, I, I'm sorry, like I'm old school. It does not look good. <laughs> Two buttons, baby. I, Two buttons. <laughs> Let that chest oh, hair this out. This is so. This is a. This is such a weird one. Well, the, I don't... the supplement that I've heard is, and this has been kind of a fascinating one, is, and this is, it's, it's crass. But people who sit to wipe or stand to wipe. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready to. Yeah, no. I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't feel safe. <laughs> this talking. Is... <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like this is a safe space to safe talk space. about that. that. <laughs> um, or, or of course, the, the perennial. Um, how do you like toilet paper over or toilet paper under? Oh, over, right? It's over. Look, man, I gotta be honest with you. I'm an under person. Why? I don't get that. That would like, that would just, I mean, that, that's anarchy to me. Like we live in a society, Chuck. I just, like, <laughs> there I are certain know. expectations. I, just, I, I honestly, abide by. there is no, it, I don't, I don't have any like, like feeling like it's more like functional or whatever i just okay well i'm never using your toilet again i like the way it (laughs) i will say this when you when you hold it under when you do the under roll notice by the way that when you use commercial toilet paper dispensers in public restrooms they are under they're always under and the reason is is that you've always got that piece that dangles if you have it over you sometimes get that one you have to kind of try to pinch it to get it up 
and then you sometimes pull up like two pieces and then you like have a hole in the middle of your toilet paper. That's awful. So when you, you have just it under, do a, you just pull. You pull. I mean, you just do a half roll. Fire. You just you do a half roll first, and then you and then you you you, you unspool. Okay, a I, half I mean, roll unspool. I mean, it's, again, it's not like it's just. It's, <laughs> I think maybe it's because I'm left-handed. I don't know if it's something. Uh, we've we, we've gone off. We, we've gone off course. We've gone okay. off course. Sorry, 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 sorry. All right, <laughs> now here's apparently this is the real one, bro. This is yeah, the one. This is, you know, I'm going to be mean. Like people aren't going to like me after this. All right, Check. read it. Read it. Do you call it soda or pop? You know, pop is like, you know, it's so. It's, it's it, it, to, to to use a phrasing. It's like it's like saying ain't. You know. Hey, I say ain't. Well, it's yeah. I, well, no, but here's the thing: or... is the, the, JP, pop is just wrong. <laughs> this is, well, is no way. There's no way right. It's just wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I believe you, but I want to know. I want to know why Chuck thinks it's wrong. Well, I mean. Because it's like it's a manufacture. Like I, I, I mean, I really don't have that passionate a feel on it. But it's, it's that. But to me, it's like that's a. That's just like it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a word. It's just pop. Like you've come up with pop. It just sounds corny to me. I don't know. Soda. Well, that's what that is. It's a soda. It's. It's a soda. It's 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 carbonated water. It's made with soda, so it's a soda. It's just a good blanket term for. All the beverage. Now, here's the one actually I don't like at all, and that is the people who just call it Coke in general. Yeah, that's, that's just no. That's just abject insanity. Like to me, that's just like, I mean, that just shows who you are as a person. It, it, like, like read a book, right? You know? But <laughs> pop, I I just remember. I mean, I I have an ex girlfriend um, who who called it pop. She was the first person that I ever interacted with on a regular basis who called it pop, and it was. It was always disorienting. It's it's so classless. <laughs> it's just, you know, I feel like people who say pop voted for Trump. <sighs> you know, I'm not saying no, no, no. I, I take it back. You know what? I'm not saying all Trump supporters say pop, but if you say pop, you probably voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't get it. It's just I don't know. It, it seems like. Because so does like so does a word you would use in conversation to describe something, like, yeah. you know, like pop. Like who? I don't. I feel like some like marketing executive came up with pop. It just doesn't. Pop. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I I I think it's also a slang. Like it's it's definitely uh, one of those things where it's like oh it's just a regional, you know accent slang thing and you're like no this is one of those things where they just like say things wrong it's not an accent well, it's just here's where the here's where the internet toxicity comes in is um here's an actual quote on an article about this people can name something whatever they want soda refers originally to soda water anyway chump <laughs> dumb people call soft drinks thereafter soda which is inaccurate at best Soda pop or pop soda would be better, and soft drink or carbonated non-alcoholic beverage the most accurate. Hmm. So the article then goes on. We should start calling it CNAB for carbonated <laughs> non-alcoholic beverage <laughs> or CNAB. Actually, I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. If I wanted to continue being an insufferable person like I was in, the, in my 20s, I would be calling it CNAB. I want a CNAB. <laughs> It's like that that girl in um, 
Mean Girls stop trying to make Fetch happen. Yeah. Well, and my 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 argument was um, back when I was um, interacting with my ex who who referred to it as 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 pop is what do they call it on the sign in the grocery store? Is it called pop? What do they call it? Um, and I'm fairly certain most grocery stores call it soda. Soda or soft drinks? Yeah, soda or soft drink. No one puts pop on the friggin' sign because it's... <laughs> oh, you know what? That's not true here. That's not true. Here, at, at good old Homeland, which is like our Publix, it says pop. Really? And it, and it infuriates me. Is it soda pop or just pop? No, it just says pop. I hate it. I want to take it down. I want to complain to a manager. <laughs> I want to take this to regional. I mean, to corporate. Here's what I would like to know. I'd love. I kind of. I'd love to talk to someone who's a pop. Who's a pop sayer, um, and ask them like, does people saying soda sound so sound as strange to them? Like, is it not just like probably, like, like I don't care if it's right or wrong. Whatever. It's funny to 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 to. to to get like all hyperbolic about it. I mean, I know you have stronger feelings about this than I do, but like to me, it just sounds, it just sounds wrong. And I think it's because I'm familiar with soda. Um, Even though I think there's more of a logical, I think, I think soda is a more logical name for it than pop. It's just, I'm not saying pop. It's just pop. They're just, they're, they're anti-soda. It's childish. It just sounds childish. They're anti-sodites. And like ice pops. I mean, like ice pops, a popsicle. It's a, (laughs) Pop is a pop is a frozen thing. It's frozen. It's 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 food coloring, water, and sugar, and 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 you call it ice pop. It's not carbonated. I don't. know. It's weird. Pop. I feel juvenile. I There's no way you can I be hope. like sophisticated. Mm, I would like pop. My name is Winchester Weatherington the Fifth, and I will have a pop. It just doesn't work. I feel like they, they would only say that when they're reminiscing a time when when they when they had no money. They're like, oh, I ah, remember yes. we go down I to the five and dime and have a pop at the counter. As they called it a soda brain. counter, and the person was known as a soda <laughs> jerk, by the way, not a pop a, jerk. You can call me a soda jerk, by the way. I'll, I'll take that distinction. A soda jerk. <laughs> Being a soda jerk. Um, I hope people know that I'm kind of pretty much kidding. Though, no, right? you're not. <laughs> this is the most honest you've ever been on this podcast. <laughs> oh, if I hear it one more time, I'm going to like, Pop. I can't be held re- accountable. I can't. I may have to go through some kind of recovery. <laughs> I'm going to become the copywriter for, for Masters of Divinity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh. Uh, so all right well that's, that's that was that episode <laughs> chuck yes thank you you're welcome sir and audience thank you for listening uh join us next week uh hopefully matt will be with us uh, i cannot wait to hear everything he has to say about what he's been doing and hear about everything he thinks about everything we've been covering since he's been gone. <laughs> I'm sure he has some thoughts. And uh, so join us again next week. Have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey. <laughs>